Amen. I'll check this out. One day, this old stingy guy, really stingy. Okay, John, you ready? Not you, John. I'm just a stingy guy. Okay. And uh, he'd been diagnosed with a terminal illness. A, a, a few weeks left to live. He had this terminal illness. And so he was determined to prove wrong the saying that you can't take it with you when you die. Right? And so after much thought and consideration, the old miser, he finally figured out how he was going to do it. Here's his method. He figured out that he was going to take at least some of his money with him. And so what he did, he instructed his wife to go to the bank and withdraw enough money to fill two pillowcases. Okay? And then he directed her to take the bags of money into the uh, attic and leave them there right directly above his bed. Okay? You see, his plan was that when he passed away, he would reach out and he would grab the bags on the way up to heaven. Yeah. Okay, it's a guy thing. Well, several weeks uh, after the funeral, uh, the deceased man's wife was up in the attic and she was cleaning when all of a sudden she came across those two forgotten pillowcases stuffed full of cash. And so she exclaimed, she said, oh, that old fool. I knew he should have had me put the money in the basement. <laughs> kind of kicks in a little bit. It takes a couple seconds, but you get it eventually. You know, put it in your pocket, save it for later, have a snack this afternoon. You know, with it, okay? But you'll get it. But that's right. Granted, folks, that joke is a little kind of funny. Okay, I'll give you that. But biblically speaking, how many of you guys, hello Christians, please get the right answer, would say that it doesn't matter if that guy put his money in the attic or even in the basement, he still was not going to take any, right? It's clear, folks. Uh, naked we came into this world, naked we're going out. Okay, but not only that, the Bible also says that when you die, not if, listen, if you will, you really are going through the attic or you are going through the basement. You're either going straight up into heaven, praise God, through Jesus, or you're going straight into hell. There is no in between. And folks, we've been seeing with our study, you can scoff all you want, but one minute into eternity, you're going to discover just like that. It was all true, every last bit of it, but guess what? Now it's too late. It's too late forever, and you can't change it, and you can't reverse it. Therefore, to Lovingly warn those who may indeed be headed in the wrong direction, uh, the basement area, okay? We're going to continue our study. That's right. One minute into eternity. One minute into eternity. And what we're doing, if you've been tracking in the study so far, is we are taking a look at the four classical objections that skeptics have, usually when it comes to eternity or eternal matters, okay? And so far, we've seen the first objection they come up with. was, well, hey, hey, come on. Is there even really life after death? Yeah, there is. Uh, in the scripture. And then last time for you here, we saw the second objection is, all right, then what happens when you die? And what we saw, folks, is according to the Bible, the Bible teaches when you die, listen, you will not go back to the ground to become worm bait, as the life evolution says. You're not going to become a little god or uh, uh, like Mormonism or New Age says. You're not going to get recycled into another lifetime like the live reincarnation says. You're not going to take a cosmic nap in the sky like soul sleep says. And you're certainly not going to go off into some holding pen to purge off your own sins and reject the cross of Christ like the false teaching of purgatory says. Was anybody besides me blown away last week by that video from the Pope? <laughs> they still promote that. Can you believe that? Okay. But as we saw, folks, the Bible's very clear. Listen, you're going to die all right, and here's your two options. That's it. Don't listen to those lies. You're either going straight into heaven, or if you reject Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going straight into hell. And again, you can scoff all you want, but guess what? Just like that. Oops. And there is no second chance. The point is we saw, folks, listen, don't listen to society. They're lying to you. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He's the one who's coming up with these false methodologies of the afterlife. Okay? Don't listen to him. The Bible is clear. The point is this. You better get it right with God the first time and the only time you're on planet Earth. You better get it right now. Okay? 
But that's not all. The third objection, this one's a hot one, okay, no pun intended, that skeptics uh, usually come up with. As they say something like this, all right, fine. When you're this far into the argument, if you will, uh, they say, all right, fine, if there really is life after death, and we know that what happens when we die is we're going to one of two places. We're going to heaven or we're going to hell. Well, well, wait a second. Are you serious? And this is their objection. They say this. Is one of those places really a hell? A literal hell? Is there really, truly a hell? And again, Christian, this is, this is not a question you and I should run from. This is a privilege to be able to equip people uh, with the truth. Okay, stop Logical, straightforward question. If all this Jesus stuff is true, and if there really is a heaven and there really is a hell, and when we die, we're going to one of those two places based on what we did with Jesus, then is one of those places really literally a place of eternal torment and suffering and damnation? Is there really a hell? Uh, Yeah, it's all over the Bible, folks. In fact, Jesus, out of love, clearly says, don't go there. Okay? I didn't did. Let's go to our classic text again, Luke 16. I don't know how you get this one for those who actually want to reject the existence of hell. Okay, but this is, this is clear. And this is just one passage. And again, I belabor this point. Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking. Luke 16. Let's turn there. Luke 16. And uh, we're going to take a look at the classic parable. We're going to read the whole parable this time. Luke 16, verses 19 uh, through 31. Let's take a look at what's going on here. Luke 16. Okay, and uh, here's what Jesus has to say. Is there really a horrible place of torment and suffering? Is there a literal hell? Well, here's what he says there. Okay, verse 19, okay? Here's what Jesus says. He said, now there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. And at his gate laid this beggar named who? Lazarus. And this guy was covered with sores. And he, he was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Listen, even the dogs... The dogs came and licked the sword. And the time came, though, when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to where? Abraham's side. That's what we saw, the good side of Sheol. Okay, that's no longer there. Okay. The rich man also died and was buried, and in where? Hell, where he was what? Partying? No, he was in torment. And so he looked up, and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called him. He says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because this is such an awesome place. Woo! I'm in agony, man, in this fire. But Abraham replied, hey, listen, son, remember, that's a freaky word. What did Jesus say to the guy that was in hell? Remember, you will remember every opportunity you had to escape this place as a free gift from God, but you said, no. No wonder it's described as a place of weeping and nursing of teeth. Why? He says this, he says, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he's comforted here and you're in what? Agony. As we saw before, he says, besides all this, between us and you, there's this great chasm that's been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answers, listen to this. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus where? To my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not be, uh, also come to this place of torment. Isn't it interesting? We're going to see this in a little bit, Lord willing, that half the American church rejects the existence of hell, but the people in hell are begging people still alive on earth, would you warn my loved ones? 
Isn't that wild? Wow. And that's what he says. He says, don't, don't please. And Abraham replied, hey, listen, they got Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. In other words, they got the Bible, if you will. And he says, no, no, Father Abraham. He said, but if somebody uh, from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And listen to what he said. He said to him, he says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, listen, come on. They will not be convicted even if somebody rises from the dead. Wow, is that true or what? Right? No matter what you say, man, you can quote Bible till you're blue in the face. No, there ain't no hell. It's the same thing today, folks. According to our Bible, folks, the Bible clearly teaches that, listen, a place of eternal torment and suffering really exists. And again, I'll say this again. Keep in mind, who's the one who's teaching this? Jesus. See, we all want to pick and choose with the scripture, unfortunately. Okay? If it, we all like that golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If we love one another, we'll keep his commandments. They'll know that you're my disciples when we love one Oh, we love those. But Jesus right here says, guess what? Hell is real. You can't sit there and pick the parts that you like to hear from Jesus and then reject this. It's called hypocrisy. Okay? In fact, folks, this is wild. If you look at the Gospels... Mark, Luke, and John there, you're going to see that Jesus spoke, listen, more about eternal punishment in hell than he ever did about heaven. And the words that he used were extremely graphic. One of them was a a, a word called Gehenna. Now, now you and I don't get that, so let me elaborate on that, but the people of Jesus' day, when he talked about it, got it. Here's what Gehenna was. Listen to this. The word hell translates from Gehenna, which means the valley of Hinnom, And it was the valley that was west and south of Jerusalem that, listen, the Canaanites worshipped Baal and the god Molech by sacrificing their children in a fire that burned constantly. Can you believe that? They chucked their kids alive into the fire of this hot piping idol just for the sake of personal well-being and convenience. We don't do that today, do we? We don't murder children for the sake of personal well be. Well, let's continue on. And then at the time of Jesus, the Valley of Hinnom was also used as a garbage dump of Jerusalem. Into it were thrown all the filth and the garbage of the city, including the dead bodies of animals and executed criminals. They all just got chucked in there. Now listen, to consume all this, the fires burned constantly. Maggots worked in through the filth, and at night, wild dogs howled as they were fighting over the garbage. And it was this awful scene that Jesus pointed to when he was describing hell. And he said, in fact, he says, do you you want to know what hell is like? He said, look at Gehenna. It's God's cosmic garbage dump. All that is unfit for heaven will be thrown into that place, a place called hell. Jesus said that. Very, very graphic, okay? Describing hell, okay? And again, folks, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Jesus and other passages in the Bible are replete. This place is horrible. You don't want to go there. Let's take a look at just a a couple of those passages that I saw. Uh, It's called a place of thirst. Luke 16, we just read that. A place of worms, Mark chapter 9. It's a place of no return. You ain't getting out, Luke 16. It's a place of remembrance. You're gonna remember. We just saw that, Luke 16. A place of the wicked dead, Luke 10. Uh, It's a place of the wicked demons, 2 Peter chapter 2. A place of the bottom pit, Luke chapter 8. It's a place of the burning waste dump. That's your Gehenna, Matthew 23. It's a place of outer darkness, Matthew 8. It's a place of fire, Revelation 20. A place of the lake of fire. Hell gets chucked into that, we saw before, Revelation 20. 
A place of eternal fire never stops. Matthew 18, a place of unquenchable fire. Mark chapter 9, a place of everlasting punishment. Matthew 25, a place of eternal condemnation. Mark chapter 3, and it's a place of eternal judgment. It's a place of everlasting destruction. 2 Thessalonians 1, a place of weeping and nursing of teeth. Why, why didn't I listen? Why did I let my pride send me to hell? Why couldn't I walk the aisle and say, yes, Jesus, please forgive me. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is a place of torment and it's a place of eternal torment. It never, ever, ever, ever ends. Wow. Folks, I'm kind of thinking, I don't know, maybe it's just me. If you're going to be honest with the Bible and the words of Jesus, um, hell is the last place you'd ever want to go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. Okay? Now, here's the point. Listen, listen. You go, wow, why, why is the Bible so graphic about this? Are you kidding me? This is the, think about this. This is greatest message of love. Listen, is it any wonder that Jesus talked twice as much about hell than he ever did about heaven? No. I believe that any sane person who loved other people, if that place was real, they'd love them enough to warn them about that place, not keep their mouth shut. In fact, if you did keep your mouth shut, how loving is that? And you knew better. But because Jesus loves us, He warned about it over and over and over and over again. But here lies the problem. Even though Jesus in the Bible is very replete, that there really is a hell and you really don't want to go there. And he's trying to warn you out of love. You don't have to. But you're going to if you reject his mercy and grace and forgiveness. Even though it's pretty clear, people still today in our society refuse to believe in this place. Okay, and they put up various objections. I don't know if you guys have heard some, but here's some that I come across. The first objection that people come up with against hell is they say, okay, fine. If there really is a hell, then that place is only temporary. You know what I'm saying? Have you heard that one before? That's kind of popular, okay? And some people actually think that those who end up in hell somehow, some way, eventually is going to get out of there. It's just, you see, this, this eternal torment thing, it's, it's, just too, it's just too harsh. Harsh or not, folks. And whether you believe in hell or not, it still exists and you're still going. It doesn't matter what you believe about it, okay? You're still going if you accept Jesus Christ. But folks, the Bible's very clear. Hell is just as long as heaven is. And here's just one passage, just one, that is so clear about this. How do you get around this, folks? Matthew 25, verse 46, Jesus in the context of the parable of the sheep and the goats. True uh, people of God and the fake ones, okay? Sheep versus goat. He says, then they, speaking of the fake ones, the goats, they will go away to what? Eternal punishment, but the righteous, where do they go? Eternal life. Now again, folks, I don't know how you can get any more cut and dry than this. How long, Christian, is eternal life? How long are we going to be in heaven? Anybody glad it's not just for a weekend? Anybody glad that once you get there, you can't get kicked out? Yeah, it's eternal. We know that, right? Heaven, woo, can't wait. This is going to be awesome, right? In the exact same verse. What's he say about hell? It's just as long. Eternal torment is eternal. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says, okay? It's the exact same verse. Hell is not temporary, folks. It's just as forever as heaven is forever. I didn't say that. God did. And again, Jesus is the one speaking, okay? The second objection that people come up with, and they say, well, okay, fine. If there really is a hell, um, the people, if they go there, they're just going to get annihilated. That's a popular one today, unfortunately. It's not biblical. We'll get to that in a second, but that's popular. And here's what people do with this one. They say, listen, they can't, if they're honest... 
Even a half ounce of honesty with the scripture, you can't get around that the scripture teaches that hell exists. Jesus teaches hell exists, okay? And so they once again try to soften the harshness of, of God's punishment. And they'll say something like this, well, listen, okay, fine. I can't get around it. So if hell exists, uh, no, there's no way, man. There's no way that people are going to be in there suffering endlessly, 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 uh, over and over again. Uh, uh, they're just going to go poof. And they just cease to be. As if they never were. Really? Might want to read your Bible. Hey folks, it's going to last for a long time. Just ask the Antichrist, uh, the beast, and the false prophet. <laughs> They're still in there uh, burning, being tormented uh, at the end of the seven year tribulation when uh, Satan gets chucked in there. Revelation chapter 20 verse 7 and 10. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. And the devil who deceived them was thrown where? Into the lake of burning sulfur. Where the what? The beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet had been thrown. Here's the timing. At the end of the seven-year tribulation, they get chucked in there by Jesus. Then Jesus comes, sets up his millennial kingdom. A thousand years or so has passed. Then Satan gets chucked in there. So those guys have been in there, are still in there for a thousand years. They're not annihilated. And then read the very next verse. What's it say? <laughs> they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever. Right there, that's just one passage, okay? Folks, this is wild. According to our text, the beast and the false prophet, they're not annihilated when they went to hell. They're still alive, suffering, being tormented there a thousand years later when Satan gets chucked in there. So if you're going to be honest with the scripture, you cannot believe in annihilation. It is not true. Besides, stop and think about it. If people were annihilated, that would not be punishment. It would be a release from punishment, Right? But the Bible says that hell is a place of punishment. Therefore, annihilation cannot be true. Okay? The next one uh, is this one. The third objection people come up with against hell. They say, well, all right, fine. If there really is a hell, it's just for those really rotten people. Whoa. Now, what's the Bible say? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God doesn't play those games, does he? Okay? The penalty is hell okay for our sins okay but here's what people do uh, with this one okay and, and i'm telling you this is actually one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell you know because they say well i'm not like uh, adolf hitler of course he deserves to go to hell you know i'm not like some serial murderer and those people do those nasty deeds right uh, uh, uh those people deserve to go to hell but me hey i'm not that bad of a person I try to pay my taxes. I, I try to, uh, you know, I don't kick the dog too much. I don't think so. Uh, that's why I got two of them so you can rotate them. One's in the hospital. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love my wiener dogs. Don't even go there. Again, cats are a different story, but I digress. Okay, but you know, I try to be good. You know, I'm just, you know, good old-fashioned American, right? I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian somehow by nature, right? What? Folks, I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell. The Bible says all of us, every single person on the planet right now, you're either headed straight to heaven or straight into hell. Listen, there is no neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. You can't stand here and one say, well, I'm not as bad as Hitler, but I'm not going to hell. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are. I didn't say that. Once again, Jesus did. John chapter 8. Verses 42 and 44, Jesus told them, he says, listen, he's speaking to uh, uh, the, the uh, Jewish folk, people who rejected him. He says, listen, if God were your father, you would what? You'd love me. Why? Because I have come to you from God. For you are the children of your father, the who? The devil. And you love to do the evil things that he does. Okay? And this is, again, Jesus speaking. You've got two choices. You either right now play all the games you want, categorize all you want, 
You got one of two choices. You're either going to heaven because you belong to God, because you've become a Christian, or you right now, believe it or not, even though you didn't live like Hitler, there is no middle ground. You're headed to hell. There is no middle ground, okay? And the only way to cease to become a child of the devil is when you get saved, when you become a child of God through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. That's it. And isn't this wild? How ironic it is that people play this game. Well, I'm not bad as so-and-so. If there is a hell, then that's for those really, really rotten people. Who defines what's rotten? God does. But that's the game that we play today, isn't it? Uh, You know, 51% good as long as it's more than 49% bad. What? Entrance into heaven is 100% good. Because God is holy, he is holy, he is holy. And there's only one way to become 100% perfected forever. And that's through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's it. And you know how sad it is that people sit there in the middle trying to play this game. I'm not as bad as Hitler. I can't go to hell. And the whole time, you're marching towards it. Every breath you take. Okay? There is no middle ground. Okay? And I don't know about you, but I'd say that's a pretty slick of the, uh, trick of the devil. How about you? Getting people to think that. You know what I'm saying? As if somehow they're safe and they're not. No wonder he's called the great deceiver. Now, this, I believe, is one of the biggest ones. I hear this. People are just dripping mockery. And they're just they're sarcastic. And, ah, it's not big of a deal. I don't even talk about hell. Okay, fine, fine, Christian. Yeah, hell this, hell that, whatever. And, and the fourth objection they come up with, they say, hey, listen. If there really is a hell, it's going to be a party, man. I'm going to be down there partying with my buddies. Woo-hoo! Away from you nasty Christians who have all these legal things we have to follow. Anybody ever hear that kind of thing? Well, folks, I got to show you this, man. And again, remember the general rule is this, okay? Anything that we can try to come up with to even describe the biblical definition of this place, the general rule is it pales in comparison to the actual reality. But be that as it may, if this is your idea of a party, I ain't going. I don't care how many times you invite me. I'm not going to this party. Let's take a look at this so-called party in hell. Let's take a look.
man, if that's your DJ, you better get a new one for your party. Are you? All kidding aside, and again, much the general rule, anything that we can come up with our modern technology to biblically describe what's being described in the Bible by Jesus, it pales in comparison to the reality. And so just even based on that, I don't know, I'm just kind of thinking that, hey, hell's just one party you might want to avoid. You know, I stayed home, had some corn chips or something, uh, do something different, man, uh, get a rerun going. First of all, get, get it saved if you're not. Uh, and then you don't have to worry about it. But all kidding aside, as you can see, hell is not going to be a party. Nobody's going to be partying down there with your buddies. It is going to be your absolute worst nightmare of all. And again, folks, you can scoff all you want, but if you're going to be true to the words of God in the Bible and the words of Jesus in the Bible, you cannot deny his existence. Okay? Is there really a hell? Yes, there is, and you don't want to go there. But here's the good news. You, you don't have to. Even today, you don't have to. You can accept the sacrifice and the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf, my behalf, on the cross, and he'll forgive you of everything you've ever done, past, present, future, and he'll take you to the complete antithesis of that. He'll take you to heaven. But if you reject it, then you sent yourself to hell. You had the way out, but you rejected it, okay? But that's not all. It gets even worse. You see, it's one thing for the world uh, to deny the existence of hell. I, I kind of expect that. I remember as a non-Christian, don't you talk about hell. Don't you call me a sinner. Those were fighting words, man. Nobody wants to believe uh, as a non-Christian uh, in the existence uh, of a hell. I understand that. But listen, here's what's horrible. This is, what, this is what gets me. The church today is denying the existence of hell. Now, if you were here at the first study, we saw, according to the stat, those who are professing to be Christians, about half of the American church right now denies the existence of hell. Can you believe that? About half the church is denying the existence of hell, even though the Bible clearly says it is. And this is what's wrong. How, how, how I'll use this word, how sick, how, how sick it is for people who know that there is a hell, it's clear in the Bible, Christian, yet unlike Jesus, you refuse to warn people of going there. That doesn't compute. Even in atheists, they know better. One said this about uh, Christians. Listen, this, this, is co- this is straightforward common sense logic. He said, listen, he said, an atheist said this. He said, if I believe what you Christians say you believe about, listen, about a coming judgment and that rejectors of Christ are going to be lost eternally in hell, listen, then I would crawl on my bare knees on crushed glass all over the city warning men night and day to flee from the wrath of God. Right? We would take uh, uh, witnessing a little bit more serious. I'll translate that for you. We wouldn't be so casual about it. But again, folks, I'm telling you, before you cop on those uh, churches that flat out deny the existence of hell, there's another horrible trend that's going on in the American church with the remaining 50%. And what we have been done is we have been trained, unfortunately, to make excuses for hell or try to pad the terminology so it doesn't sound so bad. Listen, one half of the American church flat out denies the existence of hell, and the other half is trying to soften the existence of hell. What? We do it by different phrases. Maybe you've been uh, tricked into saying one of these things instead of the obvious word, hell. Did you know that's not a bad word? Well, biblically speaking, people use it as something else. Okay? And the first phrase that they've conditioned us to come up with, okay, 
to try to soften the existence of hell as they say something like this. Hey, man, hey, man you don't want to have a Christless eternity, do you? <laughs> what? A Christless eternity. Well, that's Christianese all the way. Christless eternity. Let me, let me think about this, okay? What does a Christless eternity mean to a person who doesn't know Christ? <laughs> right? In fact, this is their problem. They already don't know Christ, and they think, hey, I'm just fine. So how does this phrase, Christian, Christless eternity, help them to realize the rough reality that unless they get right with God through Jesus Christ, that they are going to hell? Answer, it doesn't. That doesn't help them. That hurts them. Okay? The second phrase we've been conditioned to try to soften the existence of hell is we say this, well, hey, uh, 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 hey, 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 don't you want to go to heaven? That's a hair bit better, but let's repeat after me. Let's have our first audience participation exercise this morning at Sunrise Baptist Church. Repeat after me. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to go to heaven, right? Duh. Excuse me? Of course people want to go to heaven, right? Okay, so, so uh, who in the world doesn't want that? And so here's the problem. Most people, listen, already think they're going to heaven, right? They already reject hell. They already think they're going to heaven. Yet the Bible says without Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. Listen, when we convey the gospel, listen, it's not just, hey, you're not going to heaven. It's, hey, yes, you can go to heaven. But listen, if you still continue to reject the words of Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Don't go there. What's wrong with that? Is that really unloving? I don't think so. Okay, the next phrase that we come up with to try to soften the existence of hell is we say this, we say, hey man, you need to get saved. Okay, now granted, that's getting a little bit better. Almost there, but not quite. Because you gotta remember folks, the people that we witness to today, it's the third generation removed from a Judeo-Christian ethic. They don't even have a Bible. They don't squat. They don't know anything of that nature. They don't know Christianese. All right, so if you and I say, hey, you need to get saved, it beats the other two, but saved from what? You have to fill in the, exist, uh, uh, the blank for them. Because here's what they're going to compute. Saved? Saved from, well, save from a bad life? Saved? I need to get saved from a mediocre existence? I need to get saved from a chicken dinner? Now that's getting close. Okay, but we won't. <laughs> saved from a zit? Saved from a pimple? Saved from, saved from what? Right? Because they're not going to compute what we assume they're going to compute. Don't assume that people know what you're talking about because guess what? They don't. And again, this is their problem. You have to spell it out, Christian. You say, yes, you need to get saved, all right. You need to get saved from hell. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He took the death penalty in your place. You need to get saved from hell. You need to be rescued from that place, won't you receive Jesus today? Hey, that's, that's a very loving thing, I think. Okay? The fourth phrase that people come up with, they try to scare them off this. This, this is crazy. Is they say something like this. Well, well hey, man, I, I, I don't want to scare them off with all this hell talk. <laughs> what? I like what one guy said. He says, think about it. He says, where are you going to scare them off to? Hell number two? <laughs> What's the option, okay? It's real, folks, okay? You're either going straight into heaven or you're going straight into hell. And guess what, folks? It's not a good way to go. People in all their bravado, folks, if we don't get away from this Christianese and in love deal with it biblically, 
Don't you realize how people are leaving this earth? And they're going to wake up too late. In fact, most people would say that this is Anton LaVey. Okay, that this lady's speaking about. The founder of Satanism, Satanic Bible. He found out too late that he'd been duped. Here's what happened to him, apparently. I won't mention his name, but it was a big leader and founder of a, a huge satanic organization. And um, he was on his deathbed. And for a Satanist, at the time of death, it's a great victory for them because death is a, is a, is a huge wow. thing that they celebrate. Hmm. And he was getting ready to die and pass on his powers and that. And on his deathbed, he must have got some revelation or an angelic um, appearance or something. And he went into shock and he said, oh my, oh I my, done? what have I done? He said, there's something very oh, wrong. There's something very wrong. There's something very wrong. Wow. And his whole life had been spent propagating these satanic beliefs, getting everyone to believe, establishing official organizations for Satanism. And then at the end of his life, he gets this, this, wow. this light that comes to him. And everything that he built, he realized was wrong. Love that phrase. Everything he built. At the moment he was dying... And it wasn't going to stop. He was wrong. I wonder if God sent any Christians his way during his existence. I'd like to think so. But you know what? I hope it didn't go like this. Don't worry, Anton. <laughs> There's no place called hell. Hey, Anton. Um, you don't want to have a Christless eternity, do you? I wonder if somebody loved him enough to tell him the truth. It's not just about not going to heaven. It's about being rescued from hell. In fact, if you don't want to listen to this, this, that reality, folks, uh, there is a heaven, there is a hell. It's not a fun way to go. Then listen to these other people. Uh, 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 Non-Christians seem to go in a different manner. Let's see, let's see if we can get that fact established here. Let's take a look at how some non-Christian skeptics, we don't need God, this Bible stuff, Jesus, bunch of baloney. Let's take a look at how they left this planet. Uh, Thomas Paine, he said, I would give the world if I had them at the age of reason had never been published. Oh Lord, help me, Christ, help me. Stay with me, it's hell to be left alone. And he died. That's his last words. Francis Voltaire, you remember him, huh? In philosophy. He said, I'm abandoned by God and man. I shall go to hell. Oh Jesus Christ. And he died. That's how he left the planet. David Hume, the atheist, he died in utter despair in an awful scene, crying out, I am in the flames. And he died. Listen to this, Frederick Nietzsche, remember, God is dead, philosophy again, right? Hey, Nietzsche's dead, God's still alive, by the way. He died insane, completely out of his mind. There's no peace there in his departure. Karl Marx, he was on his deathbed, surrounded by candles burning to Lucifer. He screamed at his nurse who asked him if he had any last words, and he said, go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough, and he died. Listen to this guy, a couple more. Uh, Huxley, he, he was the famous agnostic. He suddenly looked up and whispered, so it is true. Too late, and he died. Sir Thomas Scott, he said, until now I thought there was no God or hell. Now I know there is both, and I am doomed. And listen to this, man. Sir Francis Newport, he says, don't tell me there is no God, for I know there is one, and that I am in his angry presence. You need not tell me there is no hell, for I already feel my soul slipping into its fires. I know that I am lost forever, and he died. Those guys found out. 
that Jesus doesn't lie. But because he loves us, he loves us enough to tell us the truth. Think about how slick the enemy is, guys. He's got half the church. We're the only ones who have this knowledge. That Praise God, we could be rescued from hell. And yet he is so convinced and infiltrated the church that half the church flat out denies the existence of hell. And then the rest of us play these games sometimes and we're ashamed of the H word. How did that ever become unloving? I'll say it again, folks. And I'm following the pattern of Jesus. If you refuse Christian to tell somebody about hell, do you really love that person? I mean, isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, I mean, did he not love us enough to tell us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? That yes, there is a heaven and you can go. But there is a hell and you don't want to go there. And then, and then think about this. I mean, isn't this what Sunday should really be about? I mean, the core issue, whenever we meet as Christians, isn't this what it should be about? That we celebrate the fact, listen, that yes, praise God, Jesus Christ came to forgive us of all of our sins. But because we're forgiven of our sins, he came to rescue us from hell. I don't care. It is well with my soul. I don't care how bad you got it on planet earth. God's never promised us a rose garden. But man, just the one biblical truth, I'm not going to hell. Isn't that enough to keep a smile on your face till we get to heaven? It's a privilege to tell people about eternity. It's a privilege to tell them not just about heaven, but how they can be rescued 100% for sure from this place called hell. It's the greatest news of all. It's the greatest gift of all. We should not be ashamed. So in closing, I ask you here today, I don't know the heart, only God does. Have you truly received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not when, but when you die, are you sure right now that you really are headed to heaven? Or are you going to wake up too late like those guys? And then forever in torment go, why, why, why didn't I listen and respond? You can scoff all you want, folks, but one minute into eternity, all of us will discover that all the Bible is true and that Jesus doesn't lie. If you're not saved, you need to get saved right now. This guy almost learned the hard way. We'll close the prayer after this. As the uh, medical attendants began to work on me, I could hear their voices. And I could hear them saying, we can't help him. He'll have to be transported to another hospital. Probably will lose the arm. And as they loaded me into an ambulance, my wife had arrived by that time and got in the ambulance with me. But as they pulled out of the parking lot of that hospital, a young paramedic looked down into my face and I could barely see him. I was so weak. But he said, Sir, you need Jesus Christ. And I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know what he was talking about. So my reaction to that was to begin cursing. And uh, again, he stated to me, You need Jesus. And as he was talking to me, it, it appeared like the ambulance literally exploded in flames. I, I thought it had actually blown up. It filled with smoke. And immediately I was moving through that smoke as if through a tunnel. And after some period of time, 
coming out of the smoke and out of the darkness, I begin to hear the voices of a multitude of people screaming and groaning and crying. But as I looked down, the sensation was looking down upon a, a, a volcanic opening and seeing fire and smoke and, and people inside of this burning place screaming and crying. They were burning, but they weren't burning up. They weren't being consumed. But, but the most terrible part of it, I began to recognize many of the people that I was seeing in these flames as if a close-up lens on a camera was bringing their faces close to me I could I could see their features and see the agony and the pain and the frustration and a number of them began to call my name and said Ronnie don't come to this place there's no way out there's no escape if you come here there's no way out and I looked into the faces of of one that had died in a robbery attempt who had been shot to death and bled to death on the sidewalk and I looked in the face of two others that had died drunk in an automobile accident and I looked into the face of others that had died of drug overdoses that we had partied together and and the agony and the pain but I believe the most painful part of it was the loneliness and the depression was so heavy that there was no hope, there was no escape, there was no way out of this place. And the smell was like sulfur, like an electric welder. And the, the stench was, was terrible. And as I looked at this, I had seen people killed. I had been involved in fights where people were killed. I've done time in prison for manslaughter myself. I grew up basically in a reform school and in a jail cell. I was beat unmercifully as a child by a father that had temper problems and alcohol problems. I was a runaway at 12 years old and I felt like there was nothing in this world that could frighten me. My life was wrecked. My marriage was wrecked. My health was wrecked. But now I'm seeing something that literally scares me to death because I don't understand it. And as I'm looking into this, this pit, this place of fire and screams and, and torment, I just fade out into blackness. And when I open my eyes, I'm in a hospital room in Knoxville, Tennessee, and through the days to come, I tried every way to get that out of my mind. I tried to get drunk. I could not get drunk. I tried to get stoned. I could not get stoned. I tried everything that I could to get this off my mind, and I could not. And a couple of weeks later on a Sunday morning, a matter of fact, the date was November the 2nd, 1972. Just before 12 o'clock a.m., a minister stood to, to read from the Bible. I was sitting in the back of the building. I didn't know anything out of the Bible. I did not know how to act in church. But the minister stood to read from the Bible, and he read from the Gospel of John. 
And he began to read these words that said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I started down the aisle toward the front of that building. And my prayer was this. I didn't know the sinner's prayer. I didn't know the Roman road of salvation. But my prayer was this. God, if you exist, and Jesus, if you are God's Lamb, please, please kill me or cure me. I don't want to live anymore. I'm not a husband. I'm not a father. I'm no good. And at that instant, it was like the darkness and the blackness left my life. And the tears began to flow. And for the first time since I was nine years old, the tears did run. And the guilt left my life. And the violence and the anger and the hatred left my life. And Jesus Christ became Lord and Savior of my life that morning. And since that time, I didn't know what would happen, but God healed my mind, my memory. The drug addiction, the alcoholism was instantaneously gone, delivered. And from that moment, I knew that I had to tell the story of what had happened to me. My life was only spared to tell others about the place that I had seen and the hope of Jesus Christ to save mankind from this terrible fate. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how 
uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. Jesus Christ has now become a cuss word. Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, 
and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.